0: First off, our healing, we trust in God to be our healer. And then we turn it over to doctors and, and nurses, and we appreciate you. But we have a promise that the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And Psalm 91 says what? Blessed are those who are under the shadow of His wings, because there's healing there. How many of you today are living under the shadow of His wings, the Son of Righteousness? He has healing in that. Jesus said that over Jerusalem, He said, I wanted to gather you like little chicks. Many times, like a mother hen gathers and gives them comfort. So, there's healing in that. There's healing in the love of a mother and father today. Amen. And He will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. On that day when I act, the Lord says, you will tread upon the wicked as if there's dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, and all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. He says, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, or otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. Then we immediately enter into 400 years of silence from God between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which we're going to go to Luke in a minute, but there's 400 years of silence where God prophesied exactly what He was going to do through Malachi. The preaching of the Gospel is very important in our lives today. I know there's a lot of people that aren't too hep on church anymore, that they've left church behind, or church is not modern enough, or this and that. But I'm telling you today, there's nothing like the preaching of the Word of God to set people free. That's why we need fellowship. And we have this promise and God was silent for 400 years and He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore Israel and people's lives to what they're supposed to be when the prophet Elijah comes. Who was the prophet of Elijah that he's speaking about here? What was his name? Anybody know? Who came as the forerunner of Christ? John the Baptist. He's the forerunner. He's the prophet The Elijah who was promised to God's people. And so you say, well, why was God silent for 400 years? Well, I'll say this to you today. God can be silent as long as He wants, because when He speaks, He wants us to listen. And there's going to come a day when He's going to speak loud and clear, and everything else is going to be burned up, and we're going to be in the ark of safety. The day that God shut the door on the ark, Everybody was locked out except the ones that believed in the Son of Righteousness, that had healing in His wings. And I believe that we live in a day where you need to preach the Gospel to your kids. We need to share with them the things of God because what God wants to do is turn... The I'm so glad when I see a family that loves one another, that stands up for one another, that treasures one another, that preaches the Gospel to one another... Because a lot of people don't do that anymore. And you say, well, I've been serving God a long time, and I don't see His promises coming true." Well, listen, God's promises can endure 400 years. He's the only one that can promise 400 years, and it'll come to pass. So I'm standing on God's promises right now. But through that silence, God was preparing to rescue His people. You might be going through a time now where you don't hear God or feel Him a whole lot in your life. But I'm telling you, don't give up on the promises of God. Because He's going to send the answer into your life. And 400 years after He spoke this through Malachi, guess what happened? It happened. The promises of God happened. Go to Luke chapter 1. Hallelujah. You all know about Zechariah and John? Hallelujah. Luke chapter one. Now remember, now this promise has been enduring for four hundred years, and this speaks about the birth of John the Baptist. And this is what it says: Go to uh, verse thirteen when the angel appeared to Zechariah one thirteen in the book of Luke, he said, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zachariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. I tell you today, don't be afraid because God hears your prayer. Every time a prayer goes up, whether you feel it or not, we have an enemy that protests against that, but God will answer the prayer of the righteous and deliver them from the bed of affliction. That's a promise of the Word. He said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son, and you are to name him John. Now remember that. The angel specifically said you're to name him John. There's importance in a name that we're going to see here in just a minute. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Elijah was great. John was going to be great. For he will be, it said, he must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks because of his calling, because of his office. But he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. I believe that God speaks sometimes even before the birth of a child. If the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that means that God is present at conception. That's why abortion is such an evil thing. Because at conception, life begins. You hear all these bills and everything that are going to be passed. People debating about, well, when does life begin? Well, listen... God said life begins in the womb, actually, because he's weaving you together. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew what you were going to be while he was knitting you together and making you who you are. He gave you a thumbprint and a fingerprint that belongs to only you out of everybody that lived, because he wants to prove how special you are. John was filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. Wouldn't that be great? I'm asking God to start doing that again. Fill people with the Holy Ghost from the womb. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) That makes me happy. (laughs) He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the Lord. Where did we just read that from? Isn't it great when God agrees with Himself? How many of you believe in prophecy today? I believe there's prophecy spoken over your life. I believe there's things that you're... It it just excites me in the Word when God confirms what He said He will do no matter how long. I have promises because I prayed over my sons and I blessed my sons. They might have problems but just like yours, but they have great, exceeding, precious promises from God. They can expect good things. I've blessed them all the days of their life. I've been critical, like any father, like you. But God has blessed them. And now they're continuing on to the next generation. Even at times when you don't see God, I'm going to tell you, He's there and He's working on your behalf. Wow. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. (laughs) And then go down... Uh, well let's read 19 then the angel said I'm Gabriel I stand in the very presence of God it was he who sent me to bring you this good news but now since you don't believe what I said unbelief at times look what he said you won't speak a word until my purposes are accomplished so it goes on Zechariah serving in the Lord's house and then I want you to go over to uh Verse 57, verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son, and when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They had ceremonies back then. That's, they were very traditional people. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Now, where did she get the name John? Who told her to name that baby John? The angel of the Lord said, you are to name him John. Okay. Now, back in this time, Jewish tradition is if your father was in the ministry, you were named after your father. And they expected the baby to be named Zechariah. So she had to act on the word that God gave her. How many of you know that the promises of God sometimes depend on our reaction to them. Because the angel appeared, well, it's the Holy Ghost thing. I think God speaks through angels today. I think he speaks through the Holy Ghost. I think he tells us things that we need to know for the future, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so everybody around said, oh, his dad's a priest. That's when the angel first spoke to him. He was ministering in the house of the Lord. Very important. But in those times, you followed in your father's footsteps. If he was a uh, one that ministered in the altar, then automatically he was like Zechariah Jr. But I want to show you something very interesting: how she acted on what God said. And they all came together for a ceremony, which is very big in Jewish culture and. and very big back then because of tradition. But Elizabeth said in verse 60, No, his name is John. And what they exclaimed, There is no one in your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet because he couldn't speak. I love this. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Now, here's what Zechariah means. The name Zechariah means the Lord has remembered. Zechariah was serving in the Lord's house, waiting for the promises of God to take place. This is how important continuity is in our families and what fathers pass on to their sons and mothers pass on to their daughters. Continuity is very important. Now, none of us are going to live over 400 years We live a lot shorter than that, but we have promises too that we have to wait on. But he was serving in the house of God. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And Zechariah says, the Lord has remembered. He remembered Zechariah because he was waiting for the prophecy. God never forgets who you are or what he's promised you. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 Everything was going on. Mankind was desperately wicked and the flood came on the earth. And one of my favorite scriptures is 8.1 said, and God remembered Noah. I'm going to tell you today, God remembers you. He knows no matter what you're going through or how far you might have strayed from Him, He remembers who you are. He made you. He knows you. You're formed according to His principles. You're made in His image and He remembers you. When you cry out to Him, David cried out so many times. He said, God, remember me. Look for me. Well, guess what? Guess what John means? It means God has been gracious. Now, what was the importance of the name change? I'll tell you what the importance of it was. Zechariah and John and Elizabeth's life were interrupted because God was doing a new thing. I believe that God has purposes for us and sometimes he'll ask us to do a new thing or believe a new thing in order for his word to be carried out. Tradition said that he should have been Zechariah Jr. But God, see Zechariah prophesied and knew about the promises of God. How many of you in here God has had a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa that have passed the good things of God on down to you? Amen. That is so important today. That you have a godly heritage and you pass it on. Hallelujah. So God was gracious. And Zechariah is looking at all of this through God's promises. And sometimes we need to wait and look at things through God's promises. Amen. Now. Let's go on. He wasn't going to be a priest. He was going to be the forerunner of Christ. Sometimes we think that what we're doing is the best thing, but God has even a bigger plan than what we're doing. He could have very easily just rested on the laurels of his daddy and moved into the priesthood and done his service in the altar, but God had a different purpose for him. Through him and that family the spirit of Elijah came upon the people. And Jesus said, I came to prepare and to seek and save that which was lost. So, the amazing... Let's go down to... uh, Oh, well, let's keep reading. It says, He motioned for a writing tablet and for everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again and began praising God. In other words... Once we believe God and say, okay, God, whatever you want, that I'll do, suddenly his tongue was loosed and he started prophesying and speaking the things of God again. How many of you want God to use you in whatever it is you're doing? Hallelujah. How many of you like periods of silence where you don't think you hear from God? It makes us nervous, doesn't it? But he's still there. Zachariah said, I've waited for this, I've waited for this, and now the minute he said, his name is John. My family's changing direction here. It's okay to be a priest, but God's called him to be the forerunner of the Savior, and I'm willing to give up my son for the purposes of God. Amen? God changed their life. Even though it was a good life, He changed it totally. Wow. Wow. That's why the Bible says we go from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Well, let's read. All fell upon the whole neighborhood, verse 65, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in what? In a special way. Fathers, it's so important to bless your kids. So important to speak a blessing over them. There's power in our words. I've seen parents that just cut their kids to shreds, and that's not good. We need to bless them and not speak. What did the last part of Malachi said? He'll turn the fathers' hearts to the children and children to the fathers, or I will come and put a curse on things. What's God's intention for us to understand what He's doing behind the scenes and to bless our kids? We don't want to curse on our kids. We don't want to curse on our lives. Blessings cancel curses. If you read the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 28, there's the great chapter about blessing and cursing. And He says, this is what will happen. I'll bless you here. I'll bless you there. I'll bless you doing this. I'll bless you rising up. I'll bless you laying down. I'll bless you when you go to bed. But then the end of the chapter, there's curses pronounced. Hallelujah. Well, let's read on. We haven't got to the best part yet. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Isn't it interesting that when God gets ready to do something, he fills people with the Holy Ghost? I wonder if angels are filled with the Holy Ghost. Good question. Anybody got an answer for that one? I know they're full of the Spirit, the Spirit of God's on them. But when God gets ready to do something, one of the prerequisites is the Holy Spirit. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit today, you can expect, as Joel chapter 2 says, that your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. That's a promise you have. Hallelujah. Well, let's read on. His father, who just got back to speaking, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has visited and redeemed His people. This is 2,000 years old. He's speaking after waiting 400. We're 2,000 years later, and God is still, through the Holy Spirit and belief in Jesus Christ, He's visited and redeemed His people if you believe in Him. Hallelujah. He has sent us a mighty Savior, From the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Through his holy prophets long ago. Man, see how the Word just fits together at a time. One thing that I've been enjoying about the Bible study is the Jeremy and Dan and different ones. That have, you see things from the Word that you never saw until it's tied together. And you see how God's Word is all interwoven. Jeremy mentioned a couple weeks ago how I saw a guy on, or on the internet or something said we need to disconnect the modern church from the Old Testament. That we're too tethered by the Old Testament because we all live under grace now. Listen, the New Testament isn't the New Testament without understanding the prophecies and the, the wishes of God for His people. You can't disconnect the two. And why would you want to get rid of the precepts of God just so we could have more excuse for... You know, grace is the, the situation that we live in right now. But you can't disconnect grace when you look at prophecy. If you look at all the prophets, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, they all prophesied about the coming of the Lord and the great day of the Lord. There's no disconnect. You can't disconnect them. Because God knits it all together. Psalm 22 Jesus hung on the cross and it was prophesied that not one of his bones would be broken. That's prophesied in the Psalms. They were written a long time before Jesus came. What happened on the day of crucifixion? Normally, and especially since it was Passover, and the traditionalists wanted to get him down off the cross before Passover started. Isn't it interesting that we can be in God's house and be worshipers? and miss the whole point. But he was hanging, and they wanted to get him down so they could keep up their religious rites. But it said the Roman soldiers, when when uh, so they could hurry up, they would break the le- get a mallet and break the knees or break the legs of those who, to speed their death. But Psalm 22 had prophesied that not one of his bones. Now, when you're David's writing that and you're reading it, you think, Hmm, what's this all about? Well, they found out. We found out. It said when the centurion went to him, they noticed he was already dead. Folks, that's God's stuff there. You know, I read where people used to hang on the cross for two or three days sometimes. That's the price he paid. I believe the sin of mankind and the sin of the world was overwhelming, and it was a burden that no one else has carried. There wasn't no more need for physical abuse because the spiritual suffering that he went through for me and you. That's why we call him Abba Father now. That's why we call him God. Well, it's verse 71. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. We just read that back in Malachi again. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. For we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear <laughs> in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Who's that person that was going to rise? the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. See how the scripture all ties together. It's just so... And Zechariah was going to lose his son. Think about this. He could have stayed in the priesthood. He could have followed in the footsteps of his father. But not too many years hence, he's going to be in prison and he's going to be martyred. There was a price to pay for him to be the forerunner of Christ. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes we can stay in our way and stay in the way we're doing things. But Zechariah had to give up his son. But look what he speaks over him. In verse 76 he said, And you, my little son, (laughs) will be called the prophet of the Most High, (laughs) because you will prepare the way of the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Who did all this? What was John's message? He said he lived in the wilderness. And he said, prepare you the way of the Lord. And verse 78 says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. John was baptizing in the wilderness, and he lived in the wilderness, and as any parent would do, Zachariah and Elizabeth probably thinking, where's John? Oh, he's down there at the Jordan River, living in the wilderness, wearing camel's hair, and eating locusts. We expected more for our boy, I guess. But guess what? God used him to baptize the Savior of the world. Because Jesus came walking one day and he said, behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He knew it in his spirit. It had been prophesied to him and he proclaimed it to the people. And That's why preaching the Word is so important because I want you to know today, behold, He's the Lamb of God and He takes away your sin and your guilt and your shame and He's made you to sit in heavenly places with Him and you have great promises waiting for you and your family. He said, I'll bless your family to the third and fourth generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. Because of what? Because of his tender mercies. The world thinks that God's mad at him. God ain't mad at the world. If one person repents and turns to him, God's long suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Amen. Amen? Look at verse 80. John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Now, God used John to speak to the multitudes. And when you look over a span of 400 years and realize that God keeps his promises, then you realize just how faithful he is in his promises toward us. If you have your family here today with you and you are the, uh, the priest of your house, or if you're, I, I want you to get with your family real quick. Everybody just kind of get with your family. Would you do that? And if you're single and not with anybody, because you single ladies and that just kind of get together in a spot where y'all can congregate. You don't have to come up here. But dads, get your family together if you got them with you. Husbands, get your wife together. If you're here a single woman or a widow. What's that? Yeah, you can come up here with me. You belong to me. I don't want anybody to be alone. Get your family, and if you don't have family, Hallelujah. Everybody with their family? Even if they resist you, get with them. Everybody with somebody? I don't want anybody alone. There's going to be a reason for this. All right. Here's what we're going to do. There's power in the Word of the Lord. There's power in preaching. You know, I have to trust every time I get in the pulpit that there's power in what I do. Not because of me, but because the Word of God does not fall on the ground. It doesn't return void. And there's such a thing as preacher's remorse where... Pretty much after every service, you go home, beat yourself up and say, did I do this right? Did I do that right? And God spoke to me and he said, don't question me like that. Proclaim the word of the Lord and it will have an effect. So this is what we're going to do over each other today. The power of the blessing. The power of the blessing. If your family's here, I want you to speak a blessing over your family. If your husband or wife is here, I want you to bless one another. If you're by yourself, I want you to get with somebody and bless them. Amen. You know a lot of times word curses are spoken over people's lives. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. Zachariah looked at his son and he said, now my little son, I'm going to bless you because I believe in the things of God. Amen. So right now where you are, just begin to speak a blessing and a prayer over that person. It'll free a lot of you up when you just bless somebody else. Amen? Now, I know this is a challenge for some of you, just to bless somebody. But speak a blessing over them, because it's powerful right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, you ought to feel a little bit better right now. Some of you. I want to read you something out of Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament too. 29, 10. You know, some people misinterpret Scripture and think that the church has become Israel or replacement theology. No, the church confirms the Old Testament. Is what it does. I read this here. Is that it says this is what the Lord says. Now you know the children were, were carried away because they didn't they rejected the promises of God, and God warned them. But say, this is what the Lord said: You will be in Babylon for seventy years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Now this speaks of a time where the children were carried off into Babylon, and one of the psalms that were written said, oh, didn't our heart burn within us when we we were asked to play the songs of Zion in a foreign land? So they were resting on the promises of of God redeeming them. And he said, this will be a 70-year trial. Go ahead. Next verse. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. And he says, says the Lord, there are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. This promise carries over to us today. He has good plans for us. We have a future and a hope. And especially with our kids nowadays, we need to speak future and hope over them because they live in a very discouraging world that tries to tear them down and make everybody this or make everybody that. But God knows the plans He has for you. And so pass them on to your kids. Look what else it says here. If you look for me wholeheartedly, He said, and in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of all the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. For 2,000 years after the diaspora, the children of Israel were scattered throughout the earth. Not, this wasn't a 400-year wait. This was a 2,000-year wait, and is. Who would have known that God was going to restore Israel? Well, only those that read the Old Testament believed in that. Hallelujah. It took a miracle, the Balfour Declaration and all these things to take place. People from different countries that read their Bible and knew what the promises of God said. So when the opportunity arose after 1900 years, all of a sudden the scripture says, Can a nation be born? In one day. Well, guess what? That nation was born in one day. I mean, the promises of God, this is a 2,000 year promise. Think of all the people that lived during that span, but people held on to the promises of God and they sought God's face and they repented. And the church has become a great friend of Israel, which just confirms God's word, too. And he says one day he's going to put the enemy under our feet and he's going to put all the enemies of Israel under his feet. People say, why does the church get so rowdy about Israel? Because we're seeing 2,000-year-old promises come to pass in our lifetime. And I'm glad that I'm alive to see this because if God can keep 400-year promises and 70-year promises and 2,000-year promises, He can keep promises to this little guy right here. Amen. So rejoice in the Lord today because you have promises coming your way. The Bible also says that not only will you be saved, but your household. You can rest on that. There's a whole bunch of them I can mention. But just think of what's in store for us. And then the greatest thing of all, I believe when Israel got their land back, the final clock started ticking. I don't exactly know a thousand years what the Lord this is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. But I got this news for you. If I'm alive when He comes back and puts His feet on the Mount of Olives, I'm going to be with Him. And if I'm in the grave, I'm going to be with Him also. Because those that are asleep in Christ are going to rise first. And those that are alive shall not prevent them. And so, we'll gather in the air with Him. That's a promise. If you look at it, you know why all the movies are so fantastic and all this kind of space age stuff? Because they're trying to give the devil's counterfeit for the glory of God once it appears. Everything is so unbelievable, all these movies and I don't know, all these things. I don't I don't keep up with them. Captain America and I like Captain Jesus a lot better. You know the most popular movie franchise I think of all time was Star Wars. I remember back in the 70s or early 80s when it first came out, everybody just sat there and went, because it was such technology and stuff and it spoke to wishes of people that you know we could fly and supernatural stuff. But then when you say church stuff, they say, well, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, listen, I'd much rather believe in the promises that are in this book than the promises that George Lucas can make me. I don't know what got on me today. It must be one of y'all's fault. Hallelujah. Everybody saved in here today? Get a hold of the promises of God. I believe God for this church. Because God loves his church. And he loves these people who congregate in his name. So I'm gonna speak a blessing over you all as a final thing today. Amen. There's power in the blessing. I said there's power in the blessing. There's power in the blessing. You know it's in the Old Testament how they'd call all the sons together and they would prophesy over them. Say, This is what's gonna happen. Issachar's is gonna do this, and Dan's gonna do that. And guess what? Every one of them came to pass. If you don't believe me, go back and read the life story of all those guys hanging on the... And everything that was prophesied to them came to pass. So I'm going to tell some of you today that God has raised you up for such a time as this. And He has a purpose and a plan for your life that you don't realize. It's not about being good. It's about pointing the way to Jesus and preparing the way. And so, Lord, I just ask today over this congregation that their abilities and the Spirit of God will dwell richly and hover over their lives. And wherever there's chaos, that you would bring order, Lord, and you would bring light, and you would speak into that darkness. I speak to the, the darkness of depression right now. We speak to that spirit of darkness, of depression that keeps people from even trying. And we break the power of that according to the Word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, come and fill lives. So the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Now that's almost 4,000 years old there. (laughs) It makes our 30-year home loan seem kind of small, doesn't it? God gave Israel back a whole nation. Hallelujah. Oh, the prophecies that I could share with you. Mark Twain was in the Holy Land in mid-1860s, and he said it had nothing but a dust bowl. But God promises through the prophets that streams would break forth in the desert. That it would become a fertile land. He said, you will be like a watered garden. Hallelujah. They they said there was nothing there. No repairs going on. Nothing happening. Just people that didn't believe in the promises of God. And now that they got their land back, do you know Israel supplies a great amount of the fruit and vegetables that is shipped to Europe? And it sat for 1,900 years desolate. Desolate. Just a wasteland. But when the children of Israel came back as they have now, streams are breaking forth. The flowers are blue. You go up through Israel now and it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Because God keeps His promises. And I'll speak over your life today. If you're going through a desert time and a desolate time, streams will break forth in the desert. The highways will be made straight. The rocks will be gathered out. And you're going to prosper like a watered garden in Jesus' name.